you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to a special edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we're with you on a Thursday, which is not normally our bag. We're usually a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show. But tomorrow is Christmas. Uh, so first of all, Merry Christmas to uh, to everybody out there. But uh, we will be taking a break on Friday. There's NFL games. So we're going to sit and watch those games along with the rest of you. So we figured we'd get you all of your championship week information to you a day early. Call it our early holiday gift uh, to all of you out there. So I'll be joined by Michael F. Florio in just a little bit. We will talk about some of the big questions for the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games. We'll have our best value picks for those of you playing daily fantasy. Of course, we will open a pack of Panini trading cards as well and uh, talk about who we find inside of those. We got plenty to do and more on this show today. And so uh, as we always are, well, on a Friday, but now on a Thursday, we are joined by our pal Michael F. Florio. And I know we, we always talk about the great things we accomplish in fantasy, but I think at some point we have to sort of acknowledge uh, our screw-ups too. And you and I are playing against each other uh, in, in the toilet bowl uh, in, in a, a pros versus Joe's dynasty league. Uh, I, I don't know about your team. My team went south when I had three major injuries to Saquon, uh, Cortland Sutton, and Blake Jarwin, and then Russell Wilson fell apart in the down the stretch. So it was just a bad year all around with a good team. Uh, that was my excuse. I don't know what the, what happened with your <laughs> squad this year. Um, my squad kind of went downhill when I did way too many drafts in quarantine. Um, <laughs> and that was one of them. I, I did a lot because how can you say no to a draft when there's no sports on and stuff and it just seems awesome. And then come the season, I was like, I have so many teams to manage here. <laughs> that team got off to a slow start. So uh, I kind of paid a little bit more attention to leagues I was doing better then, but now I'm in the toilet bowl, so that's what I get. <laughs> right? That's the, so uh, just it just goes to show for all of you out there, even us who do this for a living, uh, every now and then we have some things that go sideways. It, uh, it happens to the best of us. So uh, I guess best of luck to us in this game <laughs> for whatever it's worth. Uh, I would say I feel better about this team going forward as long as everybody stays healthy next year. So, uh, all right, let's turn and look at some fantasy headlines. Really just one at the moment because we got a lot of other things to get to on this show, but certainly an important one for championship week. Julio Jones, who's missed a couple of games as he's uh, continuing to deal uh, with a nagging injury. He is reportedly a game-time decision for this week's game against the Chiefs. Now, the reports are that it looks like he's going to play – uh, but, Mike, we've seen this before with Julio where, where you know, he's he's sitting out practice. He's dealing with this nagging injury. He's a game-time decision. We know the ceiling is high, but we also know there are times when he's out there and he is just a decoy. The matchup is not great. If he plays, do you start him this week? Uh, it, it's 
To me, it's just like Keenan Allen last week, right? Like it's going to depend on your options. And I'm actually even more worried with Julio than I was with Keenan last week because with Julio, this has been a lingering thing. Like the coaches have talked about shutting him down and he keeps saying like, no, I'm not going to get shut down. But a hamstring, especially an in-game injury, like a hamstring is the one that worries me the most because one bad cut and he could just be coming out the game for the rest of the day. So I feel like it's a lot like Keenan Allen last week that if you, it depends on your other options, right? Like if you have just, Julio and Russell Gage to decide between. Yeah, I'd go Julio if he's playing. But like, if you have a, like one of the other Bucks receivers or something like that, then I would probably play it safe and and not start Julio this week. This is a really scary spot to be in. I I'm with you just because I I always subscribe to this philosophy and I don't know. Maybe some people refer to this as starter studs. I don't know, but I feel like Julio at his best, the ceiling is higher than just about anybody else you can find. Uh, and even if the floor is low, I would rather take the big swing at, at hoping you know, he comes back and has a Julio-like day. If I sit him and he turns out to be you know, fine and he looks like Julio Jones, then I'm going to be kicking myself all offseason. Um, but there is a, an enormous amount of risk. It is, like you mentioned, with the Keenan Allen situation. Uh, I will say this. If, if someone tells me that they, they were too worried, they didn't want to take the chance, and they sat Julio Jones, uh, I don't fault you for that. I just know that for me, I would rather play the potential upside of it and put Julio in and take the risk of uh, of whatever might happen in the game. But it, it is going to be a nervous situation, I know, for a lot of folks who are playing this week uh, with Julio Jones on their roster. So, uh, all right, let's turn our attention to some of the weekend games. There are four games uh, before Sunday, starting on Friday and then three games on Saturday, which, by the way, uh, is an NFL Network triple header. My kid is super excited about it, as you can tell in the background. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say an NFL Network triple header. Two of the three games are on NFL Network, and then one game you will see streaming on Amazon Prime Video. So uh, plenty of football for you even before we get to Sunday. So uh, let's start, though, with our big questions for Week 16, Part 1. Uh, and let's look at this Vikings-Saints game, which uh, will happen on Friday. So we have seen Alvin Kamara sort of incrementally creep back into our fantasy lives over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, Drew Brees coming back certainly helped. This week, a very good matchup against the Vikings. Can we expect to see maximum Camara for our fantasy lineups on Friday? I think so. Like, I think him, it's a good matchup, but even more than that is Drew Brees is back. And with Brees back last week, he scored over 18 fantasy points. That was the second worst game he's had all year with Breeze. He's had he had six targets too, but I think you could expect even more than that. I was a little bit surprised they didn't throw to him more last week, uh, trailing against the Chiefs. But with Drew Breeze this year, Marcus, he's averaging 26.5 fantasy points per game to just 14.2 with Taysom Hill. And he's averaging 8.6 targets and just four with, uh, with Breeze and then four with Hill. So I think... Yeah, Drew Brees is the secret to getting maximum Camara. It is a good matchup. I think the floor is probably around like 18 fantasy points and the ceiling is a lot higher. Which is great because it seems like the ceiling lately has been around 18 or so points for Camara. So if we could get back to the guy we saw the first you know, two months or so of the season, that that would be perfect timing because I know for a lot of folks, 
who had really been riding Alvin Kamara throughout the fantasy season. The last few weeks have been a lot of nervous time. So if you have survived to this point, uh, this is when you really need him to come back to where he was. The matchup is great. Uh, his quarterback is back. So let's hope that he looks like the guy we saw early in the season. Because you're not sitting him. I mean, let's let's be frank here. You're, you're, not, you're not that worried that you're going to sit him. You just want him to be the guy who's more of a 25 to 30 point guy rather than the guy who's been the, the 15 to 18 point guy. Uh, this season uh, all right then on Saturday we've got the Bucks and the Lions that one a uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time start you can see that on NFL Network and we have sort of gone around and round with the Buccaneers wide receivers I think by this point it looks like Mike Evans has sort of become the number one guy in that rotation he's scoring the touchdowns he's getting more of the downfield throws which has left it as a battle between Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown to see who's sort of picking up what's left over. So uh, choose your fighter, Godwin or Antonio Brown. Who would you rather have this week? So I'll start it up by saying that I have these two basically back to back in my rankings. Um, but I have a Antonio Brown one spot higher because <laughs> since week nine, when the Bucks signed Antonio Brown, He's averaging 6.8 targets per game to Chris Godwin, 6.5. Not a whole uh, big discrepancy there, but a slight favor for AB. Uh, in terms of fantasy points, it's 12.7 to 11.1 in favor of Godwin. But the air yards have been in favor of Antonio Brown as well. So uh, to me, it's almost like what do you need when in your roster, right? Like I think if you need the the safe floor, Chris Godwin would be your play. But I think if you need a little bit higher upside and you're hoping for one of these deep balls and maybe a touchdown, then I, I would go with Antonio Brown. I had to start Chris Godwin in the league last week, Marcus. And besides that like short touchdown that I was very happy to get, I was watching the game like, why do they not throw the ball to Chris Godwin <laughs> at all anymore? I'm I'm so interested in this and how this thing shakes out in the offseason. And, and we're going to talk about Chris Godwin specifically a little bit later on in the show. Uh, he's the guy that I would I would ride with this week. And maybe it's because... I'm just going to go down with this ship, right? Like I, I was big on Chris Godwin all year long, going back to the preseason, uh, and I've really tried to stay with it. And I feel like he and AB have sort of rotated big games since Brown joined the roster, right? Like one, if neither, neither guy can succeed, or both guys, I should say, can't succeed at the same time. So one week is a big Brown game, next week it's a Godwin game, and vice versa. So I'm just going to, you know, kind of roll the dice and, and hope it lands with Chris Godwin. I, it could go either way, to be honest with you. So I think I think it really is a toss-up. If you have either one of them, I think you're starting them because the Lions have been so bad defensively. Uh, it just it just feels weird that that we haven't had a situation where both guys uh, have gone off. Or I guess you could say all three guys to have Godwin, AB, and Mike Evans all really have big games at the same time. It just it just feels like that hasn't been possible this year. Uh, the second game on Saturday is the 49ers at the Cardinals, although I guess technically it's it's sort of like when the Lakers and Clippers play, right, since they've been sharing a stadium uh, for the past few weeks down there in Glendale. So uh, the Cardinals are the designated home team in their actual home stadium, and that game uh, kicks off 4.30 Eastern time. You can see that streaming on Amazon Prime Video. The Niners have had quarterback issues pretty much all year long. Now it looks like Nick Mullins is not going to play. He's got an elbow issue uh, that he is dealing with. So uh, it looks like C.J. Beathard is going to be there, which, by the way, Flora, they, the Niners signed Josh Rosen off the Bucks practice squad. Uh, he could potentially come in for the ultimate revenge game against the Cardinals, but I don't necessarily expect it. Uh, but with C.J. Beathard there at quarterback, does this change how you feel 
about any of the Niners pass catchers? I guess most specifically like, you know, Brandon Ayuk or maybe Jordan Reed, somebody like that. Yeah, for me in this offense, it, at least in this passing game, it's Brandon Ayuk or and that's it. Like he, I still think even with CJ Beathard is going to be the top target. I mean, he has just come on so strong the last like five, six games. He has 17 fantasy points in all of them and he's getting big time targets. He's seen 13 and like 16 huge target and Marcus to your credit you've been saying it for a while now like if Brandon Ayuk was healthy to start the year we'd be talking like him about him like we are Justin Jefferson and we should be because he is really going off and and it's consistent good games each week the only thing with Bethard is I do think he is a better deep ball thrower at least at, at one point this year like they pulled Nick Mullins for a deep throw to let Bethard throw it. So maybe that even leads to some more air yards and some more deep opportunities for Ayuk. And the rest of them, like Kendrick Bourne and and those guys, they're just really dart throws later on. And then Jordan Reed, you're hoping to get a touchdown. If you don't get that touchdown out of him, you're probably going to get like five fantasy points. The the thing about Ayuk, and it was a thing that I said about Debo Samuel too, is that uh, Kyle Shanahan really is just trying to find ways to get the ball in his hands. They know he's a playmaker. There's a reason the Niners traded up to get him. I think a lot of people were surprised with some of the other receivers that were left on the board uh, that they went after Ayuk. And we have seen the reason why that, you know, the Niners feel like he fits well into their offense and they have done some good things. So I I do still have a level of confidence with him. Um, You know, I I know the last couple of weeks I've sort of been pegging Kendrick Bourne as a deep sleeper. Um, this this doesn't feel like a good matchup for him against the Cardinals. I think if anything, you are you're sort of praying for garbage time, which is kind of what happened last week against the Cowboys too. He ended up having a touchdown uh, late in that game when it was already decided. So uh, it is. I'm with you. It's sort of Ayuk or nothing in this Niners offense. And I don't know. I, I would probably still feel that way if it was Nick Mullins at this point too, uh, over over CJ Beathard. But yeah, you know, this is where we are. Um, it's been unfortunate that we yeah. haven't had. I don't know if we've had it in any game. Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, all healthy at the same time. That know, is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I don't know if we have. I'd have to go back and look. And, and if we have, it it only maybe is one or two games. It, it hasn't been very often that that's happened this year. Uh, last game on the Saturday slate is the Dolphins at Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, that one kicks off at eight fifteen Eastern time on NFL Network. So actually, going to have two games. Uh, that are that might possibly overlap. Maybe we'll see how that how that goes. Uh, but the Dolphins playing some good football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And on yesterday's show, talking with with Matt Okada, uh, I was asking him about Josh Jacobs, who is right now a, a top ten running back, even though on a week to week basis it just doesn't feel like it. So that made me wonder against this Dolphins defense, how high do you have Josh Jacobs ranked this week? So I don't want to sound like a Josh Jacobs hater because I think that at times I I kind of come off that way because I just – it's what you say, Marcus, right? Like he is a top 10 running back, but it doesn't really feel that way. And it's because of that because he has four games this year with over 20 fantasy points, including 29 and 36. But outside of that, he's under 15 every single week. So while he's top 10, he is also kind of boom or bust. The only thing is – this week, it looks like Derek Carr is going to play, which I don't I don't know how, but I think even if whichever way they go with Carr or Mariota, it's not a 100% healthy Carr. So I do think they're going to look to rely on Josh Jacobs. I have him currently as my RB12, uh, and that is just because of the workload that, that I think he can see. Like, even in those games where he's getting you under 15, he's touching the ball like 
18, 19, 20 times. So you can't, there's only a handful of running backs who get that kind of volume. So because of that, he's my RB12, but I, I don't feel necessarily great about that. That That's my thing with Josh Jacobs. It is the volume. Um, th- there's really no competition back there. You know, maybe every once in a while we see uh, Devontae Booker. I think Jalen Rashard may get the the odd snap here or there. But this really is Josh Jacobs' show. And so that is what gives you a you know, at least some confidence in him. But um, the fact that his production has been so uneven. Remember, remember the start of the season when he caught a bunch of passes in the first two games? We thought, man, this is like they're turning over a new leaf and they're going to throw the ball to Josh Jacobs. Uh, that seems to have sort of gone away. We haven't really talked about that in a long time. So I maybe that's just not part of their offense. Week, week one is his best game in terms of targets and fantasy points. That's so it. It's um, been downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I still don't know why they don't. He, he has shown that he can catch the ball effectively. They just don't use him in that capacity and so uh, it's like that, derrick henry yeah like derrick henry so that combined with the fact of that uh you know uh he's got a bad defensive matchup uh you know i'm starting him i just i just wouldn't feel really great about it so uh so there you go should be a fun next couple of days of football be sure to check out as much of it as you can especially uh the triple header of the games that are here uh, on nfl network uh, in the meantime, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. The March Toward Championship Week continues, and uh, we're here to help you march along. So we had some big questions for the early part of Week 16. Now we have big questions for Week 16 Part 2. Uh, no Leslie Nielsen will be involved, but, uh, you know, we'll try to have some fun with it anyway. So uh, the first one that I've got here, Jalen Hurts is the talk of fantasy football after what he's done the last couple of weeks, especially what he did against the Cardinals uh, in week 15. So simple question, how many quarterbacks would you start ahead of Jalen Hurts this week? This might sound wild, but three. I have Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen ranked ahead of him. And that's it. Like, And when I first did my rankings the first time earlier in the week, Marcus, I had him third. And then I was sitting on it and I was like, you know, Josh Allen has played so good and he comes with such a safe floor that I can't tell people to sit Josh Allen for Jalen Hurts. But I think Jalen Hurts comes with the most upside maybe of any quarterback outside of Mahomes and Rodgers this week because those guys have great matchups as well. But The Cowboys allow more rushing yards than anyone, and we know they're secondary. They've allowed more touchdowns to wide receivers than anyone. So I think in both aspects of this game, Jalen Hurts can get to the Cowboys. He can throw against them. He can run against them. So unless you have one of those top three quarterbacks, I'm probably playing Jalen Hurts. I don't think that's crazy at all, first of all. Uh, And and I I remember seeing on Twitter – uh, maybe it was you know, late Sunday or sometime on Monday, uh, our pal Jake Seeley, who does a great job with his rankings week in and week out, uh, you know, his, his snap reaction immediately after the game was you know, Mahomes was the only quarterback he had over Jalen Hurts. I, you know, I haven't gone back to check. I haven't talked to Jake in the last day or two, but uh, you know, I don't know if he's changed that necessarily. But the point being that Jalen Hurts is above most everybody this week. I did think it was interesting that you mentioned Josh Allen because so far – that has been maybe the most consistent question that I've gotten is, you know, do I start Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts? And I have tended toward Josh Allen just because, as you mentioned, the floor is safe. He's been so consistent all year long that that I don't know that I would I would pull the shoot on Josh Allen just yet, 
even for somebody that has as much upside as Jalen Hurts. But there aren't a lot of guys that I would take ahead of him at this point because, uh, you know, the uh, to quote Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof for, for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and I, I think that there's a lot, a lot of reasons to play him, not a lot of reasons to sit him. So if you were able to snag him, uh, I think you're, you're putting him in your lineup pretty much over everybody. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, there is Russell Wilson. And I talked at the top of the show about how Russ sort of fading in the second half really did me no favors across a number of leagues. Uh, I, I drafted Russell Wilson in a lot of spots. I felt like a genius after like week eight, uh, not so much after about week 12 or so. How many quarterbacks would you start Russell Wilson ahead of this week? So this might also sound wild, but I have Russell Wilson as my QB 12 this week, and I'm considering lowering him. Like, I've seen a lot of people put on on fantasy Twitter, like, I would play Jalen Hurts over Russell Wilson this week. That is not bold at all to me. Um, <laughs> I, I think that is, like, what you should do. To, but I have, um, like, Baker Mayfield ahead of Russell Wilson this week. I have Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady. And then this is where I'm considering even lowering him further, Marcus, and I'm, I'm wondering what you think. Like, Right behind Wilson, I have Mitch Trubisky and Drew Brees, and then Tua Tungavailoa against the Raiders, all who have good matchups. And I'm like, should any of those three jump ahead of Russ? I don't know if I can advocate that, but it's something that I've been going back and forth on all week. So one of the leagues where I do have Russ, I am playing in the third place game uh, this week. Just just lost out for the championship, so I'm playing in the third place game. And I have Russ. I picked up Trubisky. And I am really sweating. Like, what do I do here? Do I go with Mitch Trubisky against the Jaguars uh, versus Russell Wilson, who, for the most part, has carried my team all year? I mean, as I sit here and talk to you in this very moment, I'm actually leaning towards starting Trubisky against Jacksonville. So I don't think it's, I certainly don't think it's crazy for you to, to jump Trubisky over Wilson in your rankings. I don't think it's necessarily crazy, uh, especially with the Vikings on tap to move Drew Brees up uh, and even Tua against the Raiders, especially after Tua had a pretty good game against Belichick and the Patriots last week, scoring a couple of rushing touchdowns. I don't think either of those or any of those are, are necessarily crazy ideas, but I will tell you that personally, I am struggling with this Wilson versus Trubisky uh, dilemma. And like I said, right now, it might be Mitch getting the call in my lineup this week. That's I never thought I'd be saying those words <laughs> in 2020, I, but that's where we are. I took some some heat, I guess, on Twitter, you could say this week, because I had Tyler Lockett as a player you can drop. And I don't think it's that like out there. Mm -mm. The, the whole Seattle offense has been getting dragged down the last few games. Like I lost in a league where I was the best team all year by single digits and I had Chris Carson and Tyler Lockett scoring single digits for me last week and like that was just not expected in, in a in a better matchup than this the Rams are the hardest matchup to quarterbacks and they've really had a lot of success against Russell Wilson in his career 40 percent of Tyler Lockett's scoring has come in two games he had a 37 point game he had a 53 point game after that uh he has been pretty pedestrian um you know so I I I don't really have a problem with that. I know that, again, I always talk about muscle memory, right? And muscle memory says it's Tyler Lockett, right? The ceiling is high. Like, why would you drop him? But there's really been nothing outside of those two games uh, that make you believe that, that he is a lock to go in and put up a big fantasy total for you. Which, by the way, you know, off track here, where are we drafting Tyler Lockett next year? Because, because we know where the ceiling is, but because I don't want to ride the roller coaster. I mean, if let's say he's on the board in the fourth round. Are you pulling the trigger on that? 
Probably not. No, I'm pro, and I'm someone who the last co- like I had Tyler Lockett ranked very highly the last two years because I I just thought that him and Russ were the most efficient combo in the league. But now with DK there, that is just like DK is a top five wide receiver, and it yeah. feels like anytime at all that Russell Wilson gets any type of pressure, like his eyes just gravitate towards DK, and he just like throws it up. And I feel like Lockett is kind of what he is this year, like a little bit boomer bust. And I'm probably going to have him as a wide receiver three ranks next season. Uh, yeah, I, I just feel like in, in the fourth round, there are going to be a lot of guys out there that you're going to feel a lot more confident in on a week-to-week basis uh, rather than the peaks and valleys for, for Tyler Lockett. Uh, we talked about Julio Jones uh, in the first segment of the show, and you referenced the Keenan Allen situation from last week. Um, that has been, I think, a sore spot uh, in fantasy Twitter because uh, I know a lot of people were tweeting angrily. Um, which side note, uh, stop tweeting, stop tweeting angry things at players. Just, just don't, I know, uh, it just feels like a lot more players are starting to, to snap back, uh, which means that basically they're, they're tired of taking abuse from people over their fake football teams. Um, you know, and when I tweeted the same, I, I got some of that, you know, definitely on a smaller scale, but I definitely heard from a lot of people who told me I was full of crap, um, back at you so uh anyway that brings us back to keenan allen who last week you know went out and said don't sit me obviously did not have a very good game at all it looked like he sort of aggravated the injury again um but this week uh you know what looks like a pretty good matchup on paper against the broncos it's it's not bad Uh, are we back on the keenan allen train are we okay with him in week 16 uh, yes, for the most part, unless you have, like, I have him as my wide receiver 13 this week because I'm practicing a little bit of caution after what happened last week. Um, but unless you have, you know, two or three, depending on how many wide receivers you have to start of the top 12 wide receivers, then yes, I, I would be playing Keenan Allen. Um, last week was the first week all year. I was pretty happy to not have a whole lot of Keenan Allen, um, because I was <laughs> kicking myself all year for avoiding him because what I thought Tyrod Taylor effect would be on him. Uh, but yeah, and a good matchup against Denver. I know Denver on paper isn't like the greatest matchup, but they can be had. Like we saw last week with what Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen just went out and did against this defense. And I think Herbert and Keenan Allen are capable of putting up not maybe not, you know, close to 40 points and, and 25 points, but could they each have 25 points or something like that or 20 points? Yes, I think they both can in this game. So I would go with Keenan Allen if I was able to survive the week 15 debacle. I, I would agree. I, I think, you know, for me, bygones are bygones. And if I made it this far, um, look, chances are, if you have Keenan Allen, you, you wouldn't have gotten this far in the first place without Keenan Allen because of what he has done this year. So I'm okay with putting him back in my lineup. Hopefully the, the week since we last saw him on a field uh, has, has helped things out. He's a little bit healthier and ready to go. And I think he's back to, he'll be back to being the guy that has been so great all season long. So I, I don't have any hesitation of putting him in my lineup. Now, a group of guys that I do have some hesitations about are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the last three weeks, obviously, they are they have lost three in a row after starting 11-0, and and the offense has been pretty miserable. The passing game specifically has been pretty miserable. Um, I'm starting to hear the W word with Ben Roethlisberger. Washed. Um, it just hasn't been great, and the receivers have certainly taken a hit uh, because of it. Um, are there any Steelers? I mean, mentioned the fact that the running game, you know, has been fairly inconsistent. I know Benny Snell had a decent game last week, but it's been pretty inconsistent. Are there any Steelers that you'd feel confident in starting this week? 
Deontay Johnson, and that's about it. Like, and, and I know a, a couple weeks ago he was benched with the drops. He still finished with seven targets in that game, which, if I'm remembering correctly, tied for the team lead. Uh, he is just Big Ben's favorite target right now. And I think part of it, like, there's so much. I'm sure you've seen it, Marcus. There's a whole bunch of stuff going around fantasy Twitter. Like, Deontay Johnson really isn't this good, and Juju's better, and James Washington and Claypool are better. I don't care. <laughs> if Big Ben's elbow is preventing him from being able to throw downfield and it's it's hurting Chase Claypool and Juju, but it's helping Deontay Johnson, then Deontay Johnson is the one that I am most interested in for fantasy because I don't care about real-life talent or who you think is the most talented. <laughs> I care about fantasy production, and that is what Deontay Johnson is giving us each week, and that that's it. Like, there's no one else, and I know we said the W word. I very much so think Ben is that W word. I don't think he can throw downfield anymore. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, next year they bring in someone like Jameis Winston. Like, that would be a lot of fun with all of these pieces. But, yeah, it's Deontay, and that's about it for me with this Pittsburgh offense right now. I think there's an interesting offseason discussion to be had about – you know, real life talent versus fantasy production, because I do think that that's an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic. Right. And because people are going round and round on, you know, is Deontay Johnson hashtag good and people are trying to pull out stats. Uh, you know, Ian Harditz, who we had on the show uh, recently, it was uh, he tweeted that, you know, he's like, I can't find any stats to actually prove that Deontay Johnson is good. But I watch him and all the <laughs> things he does tells me that he's good. So maybe we just, you know, throw out the stats and we don't worry about that. And I think yeah, that's that's what has people going back to, to Deontay is that um, the the production when everything is right has been there. Uh, and maybe I sort of, you know, look, I, I admit to sometimes being a homer and, and maybe, but maybe some of it is I look at Juju and I see he's really talented. Uh, and also, you know, we, we went to school on the same campus, not at the same time, <laughs> but I, you know, and, and that's what kind of makes me not completely want to give up on him. Um, but it has been a slog the last few weeks. If you have been starting really any of your Steelers. Um, and, and so I, I, I would be hard pressed to throw Juju in a lineup, even Chase Claypool at this point, because, I mean, you want to talk about wide variance between uh, his ceiling and his floor. Uh, that has been the case there. And so if you're starting Claypool, you're hoping he scores a touchdown uh, because that that really is it. And it, it's interesting to see what will happen with their offense next year. Um, I said I said in the offseason that Ben Roethlisberger being healthy was going to be the key to Juju being revived. And I don't know if it's that Ben's not completely healthy. Um, if, it, if it is that he's just hit the end of the line here, I don't know. But it, it hasn't worked out the way I thought it would be. And I'm, I'm interested to see what the Steelers decide to do in the offseason at the quarterback spot. Um, because, yeah, they have young, talented pieces, but there's only so long you can kind of watch this team sort of flow, uh, flail around uh, without you know making some, some serious moves and trying to get them back to being a Super Bowl-caliber team. Who? Who would have thought Philip Rivers would be the last QB from that class standing? <laughs> right? That's wild. Uh, and Phil's just plugging <laughs> away there in Indianapolis, right? I mean, he's he's not playing badly. He's not spectacular, but he's not killing the Colts either. So that's it's wild, man. Life comes at you fast. Um, <laughs> last one here. So after what we saw with the Browns against the Giants, uh, and after what we saw more specifically for me with the Jets against the Rams getting their first win of the season, um, does that make you nervous about streaming any 
Browns, we've been talking about this for a week. Like, stream your Browns. They're playing the Jets in week 16. This is like, you know, this is a, a, a cheat code to a championship. And then the Jets rose up and smacked the Rams in Los Angeles. Like, th- does any of what you saw last week make you worried about this week? Maybe a tad because it is a new defensive coordinator there for the Jets. So maybe that last week was the start of something new. But I think last week has more to do with Jared Goff and the Rams offense than it does with the Jets defense. Like, I I, I can't after one game come out and and say like, oh, well, this Jets defense, they're going to shut everyone down, (laughs) especially because like Goff struggled. But like. Cam Akers, I know he got hurt and he didn't really play well. But, like, Robert Woods put up some fantasy points as well. So I, I you'll see in uh, the next block that I'm still going to be streaming some Browns, especially because <laughs> uh, when it comes to the, the Giants side of things, like, the Giants, I don't think we, – we've spoken about it on this show before, Marcus. I don't think they get enough credit. Like, they're a top five defense against the pass right now, at least in terms of fantasy points a lot of quarterbacks. And – like, I think people still view them as almost a good matchup because they're not the best team, but their defense is pretty legit. Yeah, I, I really started, you know, going away from the Giants defense the last few weeks because the, the matchup has not been as easy as we wanted it to be, like we thought it was early in the season. So that that's when I'm fading. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm not going to say the Jets are going to let down, like, you know, because you know, they, they won one game. Yes. And I know everybody, uh, especially New York Jets fans, were wringing their hands about losing the number one pick or what have you. Look, players don't tank. Coaches don't tank. Now, front offices might make it difficult for you to win football games, uh, but coaches and players want to go out there and win. So I'm not saying that the Jets are going to have a letdown, but I do think that they sort of caught lightning in a bottle last week, and I don't know if they can replicate that performance. So I would still feel okay, uh, you know, about streaming the Browns defense. Uh, certainly, if I'm a, if I'm in a two QB league, uh, playing Baker Mayfield this week, uh, you know, maybe even looking at say a Jarvis Landry or a Rashard Higgins, I still feel okay about that. Nick Chubb, you're starting, I think, in any circumstance. I don't I don't really care what it is. You're starting Nick Chubb. So uh, you know, last week was interesting. I think it threw a little bit of a wrinkle maybe into the conversation, but I, I still am okay uh, with going with uh, the Cleveland Browns in pretty much any situation this week against the Jets. Right. As a uh, as, as a Bills fan that grew up in New York mm-hmm. uh, during the Rex Ryan era, I guess you can call it, right. uh, I rejoiced in the Jets win quite a lot last week. I would think so. It was so. enjoyable for me. I would think so. <laughs> uh, and look, I go back to, and every time I say this on Twitter, I say it on Twitter now just to, to rile people up, but you know what? If we would just abolish the draft, you wouldn't have to fret over your team winning games, right? If we just made it so that, you know, college players uh, went into a free agent pool when the season is over, uh, one, I think it'd be a lot more interesting to talk about because we could, you know, the same way we get hyped up over free agency for veteran players, uh, we could do that about like, hey, who's got the best offer for Trevor Lawrence? Where is he going to go? Um, I think it'd be fun. And also, like, you could actually just cheer for your team to win and you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, freaking out because the Jets uh, screwed up and got a victory in Los Angeles. Um, but, you know, whatever. That's uh, that's future Marcus thinking. So we'll talk about that. <laughs> it's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings, where every week we help you get the most bang for your fantasy buck. And uh, we're not going to stop just because it's week 16. We know some of you are still out there playing. So uh, as we start at the quarterback spot, Michael F. Florio, uh, what is the biggest value you saw this week from DraftKings? Yeah, I said it earlier. I was going to be talking up some Browns in this segment, and and that's exactly where I'm going at the quarterback position. Baker Mayfield is 6,100, which isn't super cheap, but there is a lot of quarterbacks that are more expensive than him in this big slate. And why I like Baker so much is 
Since week 11, he is the QB4, averaging nearly 25 fantasy points per game. He does not have a game in that stretch with less than 18, but he has two over 29, so a safe floor, high ceiling, and then it's the Jets, man. Since week eight, they're allowing the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, and they've allowed a top eight quarterback every single week, but last week to Jared Goff, and I think that was more about Jared Goff and the Rams. Uh, So I'm willing to test the Jets defense again this week and go with Baker Mayfield here. I like that, definitely. I mean, we, we've been talking about this for weeks, for this moment. Um, I'm going to go with Mitchell Trubisky. And and we talked about it earlier in the show, how I'm having a personal dilemma of Russ Wilson versus Mitch Trubisky. But certainly in, in daily fantasy, I would have no qualms about throwing him in a lineup, especially at 5,700 against the Jaguars, who, uh, again, teams don't or players don't tank, coaches don't tank, but the Jaguars just aren't a good football team. Uh, especially defensively, uh, you can see that on the screen there, 28th in the league in uh, in allowing passing yards per game this season. So uh, Trubisky's had some nice matchups, and for the most part, he has taken advantage of them. I think this is another situation where you can expect Mitch to go out and, uh, and kind of ball for you, especially if you're playing in a daily lineup. Uh, over to running backs, who's your, va- your value pick for the week? I'm going with Miles Gaskin here, who was just activated off the COVID reserve list. And because he had been inactive, uh, he really has just one game in the last like five weeks or even maybe even longer, like because he was on IR, came back, played a game and then landed on the COVID list and missed two. I don't think his salary has quite caught up with him yet. Fifty three hundred. Uh, Savan Ahmed actually costs more than him. And I'm expecting Gaskin to come in and be the starter again. And that typically means you know he's going to see over 20 touches because that was the workload for him before he had a missed time the only fear I have is that Ackman has played well enough to kind of eat into that workload but at 5300 in a great matchup against the Raiders who are in the top five in fantasy points and touchdowns allowed to running backs I think he is worth taking that risk this is where I would take the risk on Gaskin I would think if I'm playing in a more season-long league I don't want to risk it just because like you said I don't know what they're going to do with both Gaskin and Ahmed. They've been a one-back offense for most of the year, but you know that was before they realized what they had uh, in Savan Ahmed. For me, I'm going to go back to Leonard Fournette, who looks like he's going to be the starter. The, the Buccaneers say they don't expect Ronald Jones to play this week, and the matchup is fantastic against the Lions. Fournette, I know you, you mentioned that he knocked you out uh, in one playoff with a couple of short touchdown runs where he just barely cracked the plane, but... Uh, you know, they count. So I, I do think he's going to get more opportunity this week. He's going to get a lot of touches back there. So this is a, a definite smash opportunity for Leonard Fournette uh, in this game against Detroit. Speaking of the Detroit Lions, uh, that's where you're looking for your value wide receiver this week, huh? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm rolling with Marvin Jones Jr. here. And the thing I like about Marvin Jones is that the volume has been really consistent. Like this guy in three of his last four games has 12 targets and at 4900 I mean that that's a pretty good price for a guy who is seeing that sort of volume and his upside I know it's been kind of one week good one week bad but he has top 25 fantasy points in two of his last three games and then the Bucks have allowed the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers since week eight including the most catches yards per game and the second most touchdowns to wide receivers so i think with the volume and the matchup being really good here and the salary being pretty low that marvin jones is a really good value this week definitely like that one uh, i i bumped up a couple bucks in salary and went with emmanuel sanders uh, at 5200 we, we talked about drew Brees being back and his impact on that saints offense michael thomas still not available for new orleans and even though the matchup 
Uh, oh, the matchup actually is really good. I was flashing back to last week, but uh, the matchup is really good against the Vikings, so that has a lot to do with it uh, this week. So I do think you're going to see a lot of balls headed in the direction of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I think the Saints can score a good amount of points in this game, and I think Sanders is, is going to have a lot to do with, with what happens for that one. Uh, all right, back to the tight end spot that uh, we have so much fun trying to predict each and every week. Uh, who is your value pick there? Yeah, I'm going a little bit lower here, but sticking with the Cleveland Browns, Austin Hooper is just 3,500, and he is coming off a career uh, a season high game, I should say, of 15.1 fantasy points. He has a touchdown in two of his last three games, but this is all about the matchup here. The Jets have allowed the most fantasy points, the most uh, yards per game, and the most touchdowns to tight ends this year. They've just been, especially the last couple of weeks, they've been really hurt by the position. So I'm going to ride with the matchup here and go with Austin Hooper, but I like your pick a lot here too, Marcus. I, I went more, uh, you know, it, it's not quite as low cost as Austin Hooper. I went with Logan Thomas and, uh, you know, he has been quietly very good over the last few weeks. And it, it, I know it's 4,900, so it's not made necessarily a bargain basement value, but uh, 10 or more fantasy points in four of the last five games, certainly it is a passing game that regardless of who the quarterback is, has pretty much run through three players. It's been McLaurin, it's been J.D. McKissick, and it's been Logan Thomas. And on top of that, the, the Carolina Panthers have struggled against the tight end position quite a bit this year, especially uh, over the last month or so when their secondary has really started to, to have some breakdowns. So um, I, I wouldn't mind. He's certainly not the top end tight end, but um, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't mind plugging him in there and trying to see what else I can fit around him. Uh, defense. I thought there were some good defensive values this week. Uh, which one did you did you choose? I debated the one that I know you're going to talk about, but I went in a different direction. I went with the Chargers here only because of the matchup. Like Denver has allowed a league high 2.1 giveaways per game. And when you're streaming defenses, you look for sacks and turnovers. And we know that Drew Locke is really turnover prone. Uh, and Denver, since week two, has also allowed a top 12 defense nine times, which is a very high number. Uh, so I think that you can get a couple of turnovers, get a couple sacks here. Maybe they take one back for a touchdown. That's what you're hoping for, for the really big day. But I think uh, the Chargers just come with such a safe floor. Like, I, I think they can safely give you double-digit points against the Broncos this week. I tweeted last week that Drew Locke's ability to turn the football over is Daniel Jonesian. Um, I'm going to go... <laughs> With the Arizona Cardinals this week against the 49ers, uh, yeah, I definitely felt that way when I thought Nick Mullins was going to be the starter. But even C.J. Beathard back there gives me a level of confidence. The Niners have been just turnover prone to the extreme the last few weeks. They have given up the number one defense in back-to-back -back weeks. Uh, shout out to Matt Okada for, for bringing that to my attention. It was uh, Washington a couple weeks ago. Last week, they gave up the number one scoring defense to the Dallas Cowboys, which uh, that to me signals that there is a problem on that offense. So even though I don't necessarily expect that the Cardinals may be the number one defense this week, I think they can score some points. They have really been getting after quarterbacks. We saw the Hassan Reddick five-sack game uh, a couple of weeks ago. Even for all the great things Jalen Hurts did against the Cardinals, they sacked him six times. So uh, they can get after the quarterback a little bit. So that will definitely help. Uh, and I like them, especially uh, at 3,300 this week. Should be a really nice value play for you. So there it is. That was Best Values presented by DraftKings. It's time for Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. You know how this works. We break open a pack of cards. We pick three guys that look interesting, and we talk about them. So uh, let's get into it. The first one this week 
It is Justin Herbert who has been a fantasy favorite this year, certainly in the running for a fantasy rookie of the year, maybe waiver wire pickup of the year. Uh, we talked about him a week or two ago about being a top eight quarterback next season. But uh, drilling down to week 16, where do you have him ranked, Mike? Yeah, top eight is is accurate because he is my QB eight this week. I have ahead of him Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen, Hertz, Watson, Kyler, and Lamar. So unless you have one of those seven, I would be starting Justin Herbert this week. Uh, he showed last week again, bounced back, scored like twenty eight fantasy points. Uh, and, and after Thursday, I was like, oh, maybe I made the wrong decision again between him and Josh Allen. Josh, he came through against this Denver defense that Herbert now gets to face. I don't know if he's going to put up nearly 40 fantasy points like Allen did, but can he give you, you know, 25 again? I think so. He had a, an OK game, 21 points when these teams met back in week eight, had a couple of interceptions there. But uh, I still would feel very confident having him in my lineup. I know I've gotten a couple of of Herbert versus Hertz questions. I probably would go uh, Jalen Hurts over over Justin Herbert this week. But I will tell you that that is an excellent problem to have because I don't think you can really go wrong either way. Um, and, you know, again, the, the sky seems to be the limit for Justin Herbert. He has exceeded, I think, a lot of people's expectations this year. And, uh, you know, like I said, if, you, if you've got him, feel confident starting him, put him in a lineup, stack him with Keenan Allen uh, if you dare. And I think you'll, you'll be feeling pretty good about yourself. Uh, next up, Chris Godwin. And we talked about the Bucks wide receiver core earlier in the show. Uh, we kind of were split on whether it's A.B. or Chris Godwin this week. But spinning forward to next year, can Chris Godwin, one, can he become or go back to being a wide receiver one? And, and what has to happen for him to become a wide receiver one next year? I don't feel confident saying he can. Um, and maybe like if AB is gone and if AB is playing next year, I, I would not be surprised if he's once again back with Tampa Bay. But if, if maybe he has to leave, maybe Gronk, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of mouths to feed. And I was surprised, Marcus, when I looked into this, like the Bucks this year are throwing the ball pass percentage wise, at least the second most in the NFL uh, it's higher percentage-wise than last year. They're averaging the same number of pass attempts per game as last season. And my thinking when I first looked into it was like, all right, they're probably throwing less because they have Brady and not Winston. That is not the case. They're throwing just as much as they did last year. It's just Brady hasn't been an, as an effective passer as Jameis Winston. The deep ball is not there. We know Winston was last year one of the better deep ball throwers in football, and Brady has really struggled this year. And I thought – hey, Tom Brady loves throwing to the slot, and that's where Chris Godwin makes his money. It just hasn't been the case this year. So I, I'm not sure he can get back to wide receiver one, at least unless multiple pieces around this offense leave. I do think Antonio Brown, at the very least, has to not be there next year. If Antonio Brown is there next year, then I think we're, we're back to Chris Godwin as you know a wide receiver three, probably, just because those two really seem to, to sort of cannibalize each other. Um, I mean, I, I was with you on the whole, you know, Chris Godwin's going to eat because Tom Brady loves his slot receivers thing. And it felt like the, the first few weeks that was the case. But really, that, that hasn't been lately because he's throwing a lot to Mike Evans. He's he's getting Brown involved. And so Godwin is just sort of kind of there uh, picking up whatever he can around the way. Uh, I Again, this well, this goes back to right the talent versus the fantasy production conversation we had a little bit earlier. <laughs> I don't think anybody can deny how talented Chris Godwin is, but the production just hasn't matched it because there are so many other places for Tampa to go with the football 
Uh, and that has really sort of put a, a lid on how productive he can be week to week. By the way, I, you, you talk about Tom Brady throwing the deep ball. I find it amusing, and I I have no uh, no stake in this this discussion anyway. But every every week, uh, someone on Twitter will pull out a couple of Tom Brady deep shots and proclaim to the world that there's nothing wrong with Tom Brady's deep ball. Um, I don't know. I I don't. He had a streak of like over twenty or something like that at some point. I yeah. I don't. I don't profess to be a tape grinder. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but it is an interesting battle that seems to be happening in football Twitter about whether or not Tom Brady can still throw the deep ball. Uh, I'll let you guys have at it. You you guys can fight amongst yourselves about that one. So whatever. And, uh, and real yeah. quick, I was just gonna say kudos to Mike Evans. Right, like I was very doubtful mm-hmm. that that Brady would thrown him like he is but mike evans has just shown that like he is the alpha like we want to talk talent here he is the best talent because regardless of quarterback <laughs> he is getting it done i i remember i went into the season sort of fading mike evans saying i was worried about him uh but also saying that i was too scared to rank him outside of my top 12 or top 15 um i mean right now he's the wide receiver 17 so i guess i would have been okay if i moved him out of the top 15 but uh at the same time he is still the number one bucks wide receiver Uh, when it comes to fantasy scoring. So, you know, do with that what you will. Uh, All right, staying in that division, actually. uh, It is DJ Moore. Uh, Adam Rank, I hope you were listening to this part of the show because we know the the weird relationship you've had with DJ Moore in fantasy this year. Um, So I know at the start of the year, Mike, it wasn't necessarily great for DJ Moore. He's picked some things up in the back half of the season. So it's made me wonder, what is his draft value in 2021? So I first, if Adam Rank is drafting him, then I don't think anyone is going to want to draft him. So Rank, <laughs> just just leave him for the rest of us. Um, I was excited for DJ Moore coming into the year. I wasn't like a you know one of these people who thought DJ Moore was going to be like a the, the breakout wide receiver of the year. But I did think he can be a wide receiver one because uh, I think he has the talent. There's that word again. Um, but <laughs> the volume wasn't there early on. But it's really coming his way as of late to me i'm hoping that he goes more as like a wide receiver two and like say like the fourth round um but i can also see because people love him and his abilities if he gets hyped up again and starts getting pulled into like the third round that is where i'll have some pause and and i probably won't have a whole lot of him but if he goes fourth round or later i think that is the sweet spot for him yeah i feel like he's just gonna be so hard to peg next year um you know both he and Robbie Anderson have found ways to prosper in this offense. And you're right. It really does depend on where he lands. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. Okay. Let's, 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 let's go back to this though. Right. It's the fourth round. You're on the board. DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett are both still there. Who are you more likely to draft? DJ Moore, because I can see a path where DJ Moore is this team's top target pretty much every week I cannot see with with DK Metcalf there now I don't think there's any way Tyler Lockett can be that team's top target I I completely agree yeah I think that that's probably what's going to happen next year um I feel like the fourth round is going to be really interesting because we're going to have uh a glut of wide receivers that all have you know real high upsides um that's going to be a bonanza so if you if you decide next year in your drafts to go running back heavy early on Uh, You are going to have, I think, a lot of riches to choose from when you get to the third and fourth rounds of your draft uh, at wide receiver. All right, so there you go. That was Best of the Pack presented by Panini Trading Cards. 
Hopefully you have been rocking with us on NFL Fantasy Game Day all season long. We've got our season finale coming up this Sunday. So if you haven't caught us, this is your last chance. You should do so. I mean, I think it's probably like living in archives somewhere. So if for whatever reason you just want to go back and uh, point and laugh <laughs> at what we said in like week seven, I guess you're feel, you, you can feel free to do that. But uh, if you want some all new fresh information for your championship weeks, check us out streaming on NFL.com, the NFL apps, uh, and at YouTube where uh, Michael F. Florio is answering your questions. Up until about 15 minutes before kickoff. Uh, it's me, it's Florio, it's Kimmy Checks, it's Adam Rank. Uh, we start things at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So uh, come join us for our last Sunday of fun uh, on NFL Fantasy Game Day. Uh, we have had a lot of fun all season long talking to our resident nerd, Matt Okada. He has brought us plenty of great information. And so uh, we wanted to hit him up one last time in the 2020 season and ask him about some great all time week six fantasy performances he broke them down by position so matt take it away thanks marcus and welcome into the final ask a nerd of the 2020 fantasy season we've highlighted several fantasy playoff performances over the last few weeks and now it's time to hone in on the ship here are the greatest week 16 fantasy performances by position at quarterback we welcome back aaron Rodgers and his 43 point fantasy day against the jets in 2018 Mr. Rogers had his best fantasy game of the year with over 470 total yards and four touchdowns by air and ground combined. In a poignant tribute to his waning career, our top running back performance goes to Todd Gurley in 2017. Capping off one of the greatest fantasy seasons in the last decade, Gurley had over 100 yards rushing and receiving with 10 catches and two receiving scores to boot, scoring a career-high 49.6 fantasy points on Christmas Eve. The greatest wide receiver performance comes from the greatest wide receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. In 1995, the GOAT snagged 14 catches for 289 yards and three trips to the end zone. His nearly 60 fantasy points that day remain the second most in any week in the last 30 years. Our top tight end is a legitimate throwback, Hall of Famer Dave Casper of the Houston Oilers. Casper was a true legend of the position, as evidenced by his 37.9 fantasy points in Week 16, 1981, on the back of 139 yards and three touchdowns. And finally, our top DST is the Seattle Seahawks, but not the Legion of Boom we all remember. No, it was the 1981 Seahawks who racked up 38 fantasy points against the Browns, who else, thanks to six sacks, three interceptions, seven fumble recoveries, and two defensive touchdowns. <laughs> That's it for this week and this season of Ask a Nerd. Thanks for joining me on these geeky journeys through history. Good luck in your championship matchups. Merry Christmas. And as always, may the fantasy points be with you. Thank you so much, Matt. Merry Christmas to you as well. Always enjoyed, I've really enjoyed, especially the last few weeks, some of these all-timers uh, where we get the throwbacks like Dave Casper uh, showing up uh, or the, the old Seahawks with their old jerseys showing up. Uh, in some of these. And seven fumble recoveries. Seven. <laughs> seven. That's insane. Uh, also, <laughs> pour a little out for Todd Gurley, man, because um, it was great watching him at his peak, and it, it has been hard and kind of sad to watch him the last year or so uh, as he's dealing with that knee. And now, uh, no longer the starter there in Atlanta. But uh, as we look ahead to this Week 16, it made me wonder – um, look, we know who the stars are going to be. We know who we're plugging in and feeling good about. Who are uh, who is your your potential unsung hero? Maybe somebody that we're not, uh, you know, 
just super gung ho about that could potentially end up helping you win a championship this week. I, I've picked on the Jets a lot today, so here I'm <laughs> going to go with a Jet. I'm going to go with Jamison Crowder. Uh, he's been the Jets' top fantasy option I would say all year long and he is definitely their top slot receiver which really helps because the Browns have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to slot receivers uh, and Jamison Crowder I feel like he comes with a safe floor but also if he finds the end zone uh, and ha- racks up a couple catches he can get you 20 plus I think uh, in this really good matchup that's his ceiling I'm not saying that's what he's going to give you but I think it is possible that he goes out and has a pretty big day Sam Darnold and slot receivers man they go together like chicken and waffles <laughs> uh, without a doubt I'm going to go with something that I talked about earlier in the show, and that's the Cardinals defense going against the 49ers just because San Francisco has struggled in terms of protecting the football so much, and the Cardinals can get after the quarterback and they can pick up some sacks. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're going to go out and be uh, the number one scoring defense this week. I'm not going to tell you that they're going to go and do what the Cowboys did last week and you know and get you 15 points, but I do think they can get you, you know, 10, 12 points certainly. Maybe if they, they score a touchdown, they can get you a little bit more and I think that's kind of what you're looking for out of a defense you just want if you can get into double digits especially uh, you're feeling really good about them and especially one that you can pick up off the waiver wire and possibly stream this week uh, is a really good option for you so um, yeah the the Redbirds at home against their you know current roommates uh, (laughs) in in week 16 Um, as we rewrap things up any any Christmas traditions? Anything that you uh, you have planned for the the day tomorrow? Besides just you know sitting around and, and watching football and what have you. Yeah, I feel like you always got to watch a little bit of basketball on Christmas. Uh, it goes really well. Um, I'll probably watch, uh, much to my fiance's disdain, I'll probably throw on a Christmas story at least uh, once. Uh, <laughs> it's always a tradition in my family to put that on. And it's on for 24 hours every Christmas. So uh, that and just looking forward to, to having some good food, some cookies. Uh, and, and yeah, just an enjoyable day. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I know it's on 24 hours. I never sit and watch a Christmas story at one point from start to finish over Christmas. But over the course of 24 hours, I feel like I've probably uh, seen the movie uh, pretty much all the way through at that point. So uh, should be should be a great day. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Uh, Merry Christmas to all you guys out there as well, especially the folks who uh, help us put on this show, uh, who have done a lot of great work all season long. We're not done. We still got a couple more shows next week, but uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody out there as well. So for us, uh, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends, tell two friends, rate, review, and remember, it's simple. Merry Christmas, and hopefully you bring home a championship this week. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask. Uh, And we'll see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.